0: This paid podcast is a partnership between Slate Studios and Century 21 Real Estate. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. From Century 21, this is The Relentless, a podcast about looking at sales differently. As entrepreneurs, we need to constantly evolve, refresh our approach, and these days, that means prioritizing the customer. Because sales is about so much more than transactions. It's about elevating experiences. I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcast host. And no matter what job I've had, I've always used my voice to help people. I learned early on that treating people like they matter isn't just the right thing to do. It also makes for good business and great relationships. And that's what this season is all about. We're talking to the visionaries reinventing hospitality and the pioneers who figured out how to create celebrations that don't feel like work. Because The Relentless is about more than the close. It's about opening our minds to new possibilities and crushing mediocrity every step of the way. It's time to dream big, embrace change, and stay relentless. Hi everyone, and welcome to The Relentless. It's season two, and like all entrepreneurs, we've been making some changes around here. Just like in season one, we are continuing to look at sales differently. But this round, we're focusing in on something very near and dear to me, elevating the customer experience. And a lot of that comes from the strong women who raised me, a mom who worked retail for 40 years and a grandma who was a hairdresser. They taught me so much about interacting with customers and valuing them. And that brings me to the question we're asking today. What if we applied more imagination to the way we did business? What if we could actually surprise and delight the customers we serve? A little later on the show, we'll meet someone on the ground in real estate who's doing just that. But first... Like you just have to go the extra step.
1: From like a sales perspective, can can you point back to say like this made us more sales? No. But does it delight customers? Yes. And, And I feel like the delight and the joy
0: will make just the customers more loyal to you. That is Tina Roth Eisenberg. Tina has so many entrepreneurial instincts. From a co-working space she started called Friends to Tatley, a temporary tattoo company. She also created a to-do list app called To Do. And she founded Creative Mornings, an extraordinary lecture series in community, which is now a global phenomenon. And all these businesses grew organically out of her original career as a graphic designer. Tina Roth-Eisenberg, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So the whole conversation today is about going above and beyond the essential and the expected for customers and creating unique experiences and communities. That's why we have you here today. Over your career, you founded this collection of really different businesses that are the epitome of that. I can't help but wonder with all of these great businesses is it possible to pick just one as a favorite? Oh, oh my
1: god this is like asking you if you have a favorite child this is horrible <laughs> this is horrible. Um why maybe I can I can define the favorite as in what I think has the most impact on people's lives and and I would definitely say that that is uh Creative Mornings and what Creative Mornings stands for in the world and who is touched by it. So I would say if I look back one day at the end of my life, I will probably say Creative Mornings is is
0: probably my legacy. And I mean, it is an outstanding great legacy to have. But for those of us who aren't familiar with Creative Mornings, can can you walk us through that? Yeah, I would love to.
1: So Creative Mornings, I moved to New York after graduating as a graphic designer for what was supposed to be a three-month internship uh, from the Swiss Alps to New York, and I—I I found an internship. It turned into a full-time job, and I ended up staying. But uh, what I was always missing was like w- this community that I could tap into. I always thought were my people—generous, creative, kind, big-hearted humans—and. So basically, Creative Mornings is the community I wish existed when I moved to New York City. In 2008, I started the very first creative co-working space in New York City, not realizing that that would actually change my life. And this is long before co-working spaces were prevalent as they are right now. But what I realized is that um, as we were all in a space together uh, basically, I just said, if you're in a creative space, you can be part of this co-working space. If you're part of a creative community, I mean, or business. And so we had writers, illustrators, photographers, developers, and there's absolute magic that unfolded when I was surrounded by equally entrepreneurial, driven and creative humans. And that was sort of the the starting point for me to say, wow, I have this community every day, but there's there's like 8 million more out there. <laughs> and that's when I started opening the door. And, you know, it's the beauty of being a designer and having a prototyping mind mindset. I just said, I'm going to open the door one Friday morning a month. I'm going to just have some breakfast and one
0: person who gives a talk and let's see what happens. And that's that's really the beginning of Creative Mornings, Community is something that I think a lot of us, especially during the pandemic, but just in general, I think a lot of us feel that there is a lack of community in our various fields of work. Why do you think that is? I'm a big
1: believer that it's up to all of us to be active participants in the world. And when I hear people say there's a lack of community, then I always say like, well, what community do you want to be part of? And just just kickstarted. I mean, just to give you an example, I moved to a new neighborhood where I didn't know anyone uh, five and a half years ago, and after a big life change, and it was just a big bit of a new beginning. and and I was just like, I came into this beautiful brownstone street in Fort Grain, determined to create my neighborhood community. I call it the Stoop community where we hang on stoops. But I was very intentional about that. Like I set myself to it to be that neighbor that gathers humans, because it, it doesn't take much. And I just feel like a lot of us are craving community, but we don't realize that we can
0: actually be the spark that starts it. That is so wise. I, I do think that's absolutely true that we often look around in the world and think, why isn't there this? Why isn't there this? But we can do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I like in all of your endeavors that you've already mentioned is joy. And how have your business has been actually shaped by that idea of the importance of joy? To me,
1: I'm I'm um I'm an extreme. I will call it a feeler. I I I sort of navigate the world with how things feel. And to me, I've always gravitated towards things that are joyful and and loving and warm. And so I think I never thought about it in a very like business strategic. Let's write a business plan, let's pump joy into this business. It's more just like the the idea that something is joyful or funny or giddy or would make the world a little more beautiful, those are the projects that I intuitively just couldn't let let sit on the side and not work on. So uh, because it would, at the same time as it would
0: make other people happy and bring joy, it also just really fueled me and kept me going. That's really interesting because I was thinking so much in terms of what you're giving others because you really are someone who is, providing a service. When you provide that joy, when you provide that community, you're providing a service, but you're saying it also helps you to keep going. Oh, yeah. When you're doing something, when you're working on something
1: that has in some sense purpose and or or the output, you can see it has a positive impact on humans around you and it's nourishing for you. I feel like whatever you do in some sense, it has to not just nourish others, but it also has has to nourish
0: you so you can keep going. And what about your teams, though? How do you get your teams to generate that same kind of joy? Because it's not just you by yourself in these business endeavors of yours. You have teams of people working with you. How do you get them on board with that?
1: For example, let's take Creative Mornings. Creative Mornings is an incredibly purpose-driven organization. So what I didn't explain before is that Creative Mornings, I started running it in New York City, but now we're a volunteer-based organization in 67 countries putting on events in 223 cities every every month. So every month between 20 and 20 25,000 people gather. Right now it's digitally, but before it was in person. So when you tap into this energy at our events and, and you kind of feel filled up by it, 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 a lot of people just want to participate in it. So to, to any business owners, I feel like it's really important that you're able to sort of... Um, uh, define the values and what your business stands for. Like for example, we wrote a manifesto that was a game changer uh, in how we are perceived as an organization. Like it starts out with everyone is creative, and it's it ends with everyone is welcome. And writing that manifesto was one of the hardest things I have ever done. Like putting into words uh, that feeling of what you want your company to be seen as, uh, what it should feel like, what it stands for. But uh, once you can once you can do that, you will then also attract
0: the people that resonate with that. What about, for example, when the customers actually are paying? Because there's a different thing going on there. Uh, you know, the generosity that you're sharing is free at Creative Mornings. But, you know, like with tatly people are paying and so on. Have people come back to you and still said, I feel that generous spirit, even when they're paying?
1: Yes. So for Tatley, for example, so that's my temporary tattoo company, where which I started because I was just fed up uh, with the hideous temporary tattoos my daughter would bring home 10 years ago. <laughs> it was just an insult to my Swiss aesthetics and I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> and uh, when I decided, like more as a joke than anything else, to just ask my my artist and illustrator friends if they want to license some really cool designs to me, the first thing I did, knowing the pain of being an illustrator and artist at the licensing agreements, the licensing deals are really bad oftentimes. So, for example, I started out with paying a like higher standard than regular industry uh, royalty to them, which we always made very clear to everyone. Like, we're the high end of temporary tattoos, but we are giving a generous cut to the artist of every sale. And then we said... We want to keep business in America. We're producing only in America. We and 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 this messaging kept going. And then also we we made sure that there's there's a, a spark of joy and thoughtfulness and whimsy in our messaging, in our packaging. There's just what I call the extra layer of love that I put on anything I do, which I think most humans actually notice. And we get this all the time. I mean, Tatley had a really hard year last year and Uh, when we went into lockdown, I had to learn how to ship our products. And I had to literally go in for three and a half months. And I was the person shipping our orders. And we have this thing at the checkout, there's a little notes field, where, (laughs) where we said, once we put in a sort of a prompt, tell us your secret, your dreams and your favorite recipes. And, and people sent the most thoughtful, loving notes. Like I was fulfilling orders and I was tearing up all the time because people just really express their gratitude for what Tatley brings to them in their life. The lightness, the joy, the celebration of art and beauty. But
0: how do you do that? You have thousands and thousands of customers and clients. How do you conduct each of those interactions so that each individual feels special? Well,
1: I mean, Obviously, you you can't get to everyone individually. But what I would say is, it's not just about the the spreadsheet. In the end of the day, I think custom customers more than ever are paying attention to what is this company stand for in the world. These are all things that are becoming more and more important. In that you know, customers they 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 have power with their their wallets. They their vote with their wallets and. I want to support companies who who stand for something good and for a better world. Has the pandemic made it harder to do that? I wouldn't say it's made it harder. I think the beauty of the pandemic is that it has accelerated decisions that should have been made or you know were looming. I feel a lot of my entrepreneurial friends feel exactly the same. It has just accelerated things that were meant to happen no matter what, and also with creative warnings. We're the world's largest face-to-face creative community. I believe that real connections are made face-to-face and not behind the screen. This is always something I've stood for. But then here's a global pandemic that prevents you from meeting up. And you're the global <laughs> face-to-face community. That is kind of like <laughs> crisis mode right there. And I was I was a bit in denial. I was honestly frozen. And like, what does this mean? Um, and then our community... Our hosts from other chapters fearlessly jumped off a cliff and showed us HQ that this can be done digitally. I remember being on um, in April on an event that Austin, or March actually, Austin put on, and then Denver the same day. And they put on beautiful events that felt like Creative Mornings just in a digital world. Uh, I was in tears because I was like, I didn't believe this is possible. And then we shifted the entire organization, all the 20, 223 chapters over to digital. And that would have not happened. Would it not have been for the pandemic forcing us to really open up and like, what are, what are the opportunities here that I probably, again, because of our story, we're the largest face-to-face community, I would have never opened up to and and I feel like it has softened me as well in terms of I ask myself regularly now, Tina, are you not seeing beautiful opportunities in front of you because you're stuck
0: in your own story? Mm. It sounds like it really became, rather than just an obstacle, an opportunity to reach more people. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about surprise and delight. Surprise and delight has come up a lot in this conversation, and it really seems to be central to your business. How mm-hmm. how do you incorporate surprise and delight in a business setting? I mean, I can see committing to that in a birthday party setting, or you know, uh, you know, in a park design setting. But how does that come into play, and how do you you know stick with that mindset in this world for your companies? I
1: feel like if if I were to advise someone who where this doesn't come so intuitively, I would just say whatever you have built and whatever's like your product is your service is and it's running and it's selling and it's fine just take a step back and be in a really playful fun mode with your team maybe and say what can we add on to this that is a, just a bit surprising and silly and funny that just people wouldn't necessarily expect and add that layer on top of it And I do think that little extra love is what will make people so loyal to you, will make people share what they just purchased or experienced with delight. For example, uh, in our checkout, you can, at the end, at Tatley, you can, for $1, you can add confetti to it. It's the best selling, it's the best selling item we have. And like about maybe on the second year end, I decided to fill an entire uh, drawer with confetti in our office. It's a very famous confetti drawer. I mean, it's really deep, but it's really big. And it's like, it's it's delightful to push your hand into all of that confetti and it's become a thing like people write to us how they've been inspired to start their own confetti drawer like they they love the fact that oh, and also when you when you check on the box that you want the confetti and you add it to your cart like confetti rains down on the screen oh. and
0: <laughs> you
1: just have to go the extra step they from a like a sales perspective can can you point back to say like this made us more sales no but does it delight customers yes and what and, and i feel like the delight and the joy will make just the customers more loyal to you. If they know they'll feel good if they come to your site, I mean, who doesn't want to
0: come to your site then? You know, you've been talking a lot about trusting your intuition with all of these things, with the confetti, with how you conduct your business, with, you know, these little touches. Have you always trusted your intuition? And has it always led you into the right place? I'm a big believer that no matter what decision you have to take in your life, if you just
1: calm down, if you quiet your mind. If you just listen to your body, I call it, for example, I have some big stories around full body yeses where my body literally showed me that, for example, when I was looking for an apartment, I walked into an apartment and my whole body was just literally starting to cry. And I was like, what is happening? And my body was just telling me this is it. And ever since I I started paying more attention to what my body tells me, no matter what the business decision is or life decision
0: and uh, it has helped me tremendously. One thing I really love about that story is that it's turning the tables. You know, you're not the business person here. You're the customer. So how did that real estate agent make you feel cared for? Um, I think she was very confused at real estate
1: <laughs> when she saw my reaction. And and I had to explain to her, as like, these are tears of joy. And my body is telling me this is the right place for me. And then once I explained it to her, she, I think there was like on one sense, like incredible relief because the apartment was actually on the market for quite a while. And she kept it very human. She just giving me a big smile and nodding was enough for me to be like, okay, she doesn't think I'm crazy that I'm standing here crying and telling you about my full body. Yes, which I don't know you.
0: (laughs) I want to go back now to your earlier life. You were a graphic designer before all of this. You're still a graphic designer, but um, that's your training. And Mm -hmm. now you've launched all of these different businesses. Do you feel that your graphic design training gave you some sort of superpower with all these other entrepreneurship endeavors? Oh, yeah. This is a great question. I'm so
1: glad you're asking this because, yes, I had no idea that training as a graphic designer would give me such a leg up on so many levels. But I think the most important uh, beyond just, for example, being able to create a brand from scratch on like weeknights, you know, weekend nights or whatever. Like, for example, Tatley launched my temporary tattoo company, which was really just a joke than anything else. That was like a fun side project so my daughter could have fun tattoos. The second day in business, the Tate Modern shop buyer from London called me and congratulated me on the brand and asked, how long have you the been? The Tate Modern? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they. Wow. And, and he said, congrats on your brand. It's so beautiful. How long have you been in business? And I remember coughing into the phone, <coughs> two days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and this is really the advantage of being a graphic designer and creating a brand from nothing, like on, you know, in your free time and, and 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 looking professional from the start. So that was great. But the thing that is even more important, you have a prototype mindset. And with that, I mean, you have an idea and then you sort of make this first prototype and then you, you know, test drive it with consumers or customers. And then you look at what works and what doesn't work. For example, the idea of Creative Mornings was like, I just had a hunch that people want to get together together. And I said, I'm going to try in the morning because New Yorkers are always overbooked at night. And I'm just going to put some food out so people have something to gather around. And and I literally prototyped it. And every event I went in and, and sort of looked like what works here, what doesn't work, what should I change? And I had no like, I had not the feeling like that this first event needs to be it and it's perfect. No, there was a playfulness in how I showed up. Knowing it's not going to be perfect, being excited about changing and adding and Again, how I, which is how I think most designers show up in this world.
0: You're making it all sound so doable. Do you have a little bit of advice for listeners out there who are entrepreneurs or real estate agents who want to incorporate some prototyping, some surprise and delight into their businesses for their own clients? What advice would you give them? Whatever your service or product is, put yourself into the customer's
1: shoes. Go through that flow. And just really ask yourself, how does this feel? Like, and you have to be very honest on the other side. Like, how does this feel? Like, try to come in, like, I call it empty your cache, not coming from everything you know. And just really honestly look at what will make this experience warmer. Oftentimes what it comes down to is just, Having a slightly different perspective of things or processes that we are so just, we almost didn't think, don't think about anymore because they're like brushing teeth. You don't think about it anymore, but just really put your antennas out to the processes you have in place, uh, whatever it is. And, and ask yourself, what layer of love can I put on top of this that will make this better?
0: The fact that it all comes down to love for you, Tina. That is so moving, and it's something we're all capable of. It is such great advice. Tina, thank you so much for stopping by The Relentless today.
1: I'm so happy to
0: be here. Thank you so much for having me. This season, we're expanding the conversation about what it means to be relentless. Each episode, we'll hear from inspiring entrepreneurs known for putting the principles we discuss into practice. These expert entrepreneurs are known for their unique outlooks, as well as for building business models that keep customers at the center. And they're here to share their top tips. We start today with Greg Harrelson.
2: Hi, my name is Greg Harrelson, uh, Century 21, the Harrelson Group in South Carolina. I've actually been in real estate about 23, 24 years. Opened up my first franchises uh, with Century 21 back in 1999. I currently uh, run a podcast myself. It's called the Level Up Podcast, where we uh, take agents and take them from agent to entrepreneur.
0: Greg, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Well, thank you, Kristen. I'm really excited about this conversation.
0: You've been in real estate for a long time, over two decades, and you started out very briefly working with your father, but you learned pretty early on you wanted your own business. I'm curious, what kept pushing you? What is behind that drive?
2: When I got into real estate, I was really, besides working for my dad, after about a year, I started, you know, working for myself and him and I, you know, started forming a team and, and then we opened up a brokerage. During those times, I felt like I was building something for myself. And if I succeeded, I succeeded for myself. If I failed, I failed you know myself and and for some reason I started liking that but but it transitioned over the years as I started building a team I I started kind of reflecting on my years of being part of a team in sports where um there was a coach and there was a player and the player was responsible to you know be the best player they could and to follow the instructions of the coach well when I started a team in real estate I was the coach and I was really fulfilled in the area of seeing the other agents that I was mentoring or coaching, seeing them grow. That became my passion. When people asked me, Greg, well, what do you do? What, like, if you could sum it up, what do you do these days? I said, my business is developing talent. The subject of the conversations is real estate, but my real job is to develop talent. And that's what keeps me motivated.
0: And you know what's really interesting about how you are creating that kind of service is you're doing it in ways that a lot of people may not even think as a real estate agent's job. Uh, Let's talk, for example, about your podcast. You're creating an experience for your agents and for your customers more broadly. What made you decide to do that?
2: The early part of my career, I said, you know what? I I told one of my coaches, I said, you know, I want to change the industry in some sort of way. But I just want to at the end of this, I want to feel like, you know, I've had an impact on the industry. And I said, what I'm going to have to do, though, is instead of tackling it from the industry backwards, I said, I'm going to tackle it from my company outward. So if I actually focus on really developing talent within my operations, my real estate agents, then what's going to happen in the industry, at least in the local market, is other agents that have to compete against my agents are going to have to really step it up because my agents are equipped. They have additional education and practice that the normal agent doesn't have. And I, I told my coach, I said, look. I want to put my competition in a in a situation where they're going to have to choose. They're going to choose either, number one, to get out of the business because my agents are just going to beat them over and over again in presentations and win business from them, or my competition is going to have to step up and go get their own education and learn how to compete at a higher level. And that's how we transform the industry just one agent at a time.
0: And it's really effective because you have so many listeners and the listeners are your agents. Your listeners are the general public and so on. And so you're also creating an expectation in your customers to uh, have better service. You're creating expectation and knowledge with your agents to do a better job themselves. So you're really spreading the word and uh, sharing the knowledge in a way that is going to create a really great experience for everybody.
2: What I would say is, you know, a lot of people are focusing on, they want to create a wow experience. And the way a lot of people would describe that in the real estate industry is they want to just create this really nice, fun real estate experience. Like, wow, they gave me this great gift after closing. Like, that's how a lot of people approach the wow, right? I've just approached the wow differently. I want them to say to one of my agents, wow, I've never had an agent explain it to me that way. So I'm wanting to wow them through the empowerment of information. I want to empower the consumer with information that helps them make fantastic financial decisions around their real estate holdings. I admire those that are even trying to create wow in any format that fits their personality. It's just the wow that I'm trying to create is empowerment of information.
0: Greg, one last question. We ask this of all of our guests. Could you define for us, what relentless means to you.
2: Okay. So I'll tell you just a small little story. In the last year, I completed my first Ironman. And, um, and I'm, you know, I was just so happy to finish the thing. But before I did the Ironman, one of my agents texted me and he says, here's the deal. You're going to experience some pain at some point. You know, and pain is a little bit different than being injured. You know, injured is different than pain. He says, there's going to be some pain and there's going to be some times where you may want to stop. And he goes, just think about this, relentlessly moving forward. Just think of relentlessly moving forward. The The end result is worth it.
0: Truly never giving up. Wow. So simple, but something that we can all apply to our own business and our own lives. Greg, it has been so great talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us on The Relentless.
2: Gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the time we've spent.
0: The Relentless is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Century 21 Real Estate. You can find out more about the guests you heard in today's show and discover more great material from our Century 21 partners at slate.com relentless. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening and please join us next time. All rights reserved. Nothing herein is intended to create an employment relationship. Century 21 Real Estate LLC fully supports the principles of the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. Each office is independently owned and operated. This material may contain suggestions and best practices that you may use at your discretion.